Okay, Bruchem Abom, welcome everyone. Thank you so much, Rabbi Brett, for your warm introduction and uh, really for creating this program together with your partner. And uh, um, remind me the name again, Rabbi Brett. Name of the partner, Gabriel Falacci. Rabbi Falacci. So uh, we wish Rabbi Brett, Rabbi Falacci, that in the course of this great Kedash Hashem, the Vashem should be Mavarech, their mishpachas and all, all of our mishpachas with only simchas and nachas. You know, it's very interesting. The word Shabbos, um, if you take the numerical value of the word Shabbos, it's 702, which is the same gematria as the word ben, bez nun, because the final nun in Lashon HaKodesh has a numerical value of 700, which indicates the idea that when we keep Shabbos properly, we are eligible to be considered the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which of course is one of my favorite topics. But uh, when your father is the Rebbe Shalaylam, then uh, you have nothing to worry about. So we should be zoicha through this great limud to be eligible to this great title. Now, uh, we're beginning with Melechah's Bishal. Why Bishal? Well, um, obviously we're, we're starting this week's Parshas, Parshas Taldois. And the Av, which is most closely associated with Shabbos, is Yaakov Avinu. The Gemara tells us that anyone who keeps Shabbos kilchasai will merit the inheritance, the Nachala of Yaakov Avinu, who his Nachala was Nachala Belimitzarim. Now, what's Yaakov Avinu doing in this week's parsha? Vayozed Yaakov Nozed. Says Rashi, what does the word Vayozed mean? Lashoin Bishol. Targum says, Ubashil. So Yaakov Inu is cooking. So obviously if you start Hilchah Shabbos and Parashas told us, you have to learn about what Yaakov Avinu was doing. Namely, Yaakov Avinu was being Mavashal. So we begin today in the 11th Malacha. In what is called the 11th Malacha of Sidura de Pas. The 11th Malacha of the arrangement of baking bread. And we'll come back to explain why this is so important. Now, of all the Malachas of Shabbos, the one that really presents a very considerable challenge is Bishal. The reason being, the Mishnabura writes in the Hakdama of Chelek Gimel of the Mishnabura that one who does not learn Hilcha Shabbos can easily violate the Halachas of Shabbos, of Shabbos. Uh, especially, especially, I'm going just to kindly mute everybody, otherwise I hear myself five times, okay. So, um, uh, the, the Mishnabura says that one who um, does not learn Hilchah Shabbos, can easily violate Shabbos, especially regarding Bishol. The Mishnah says, V'frat be'inyin Bishol, u'shehiyah, and hatmana, hi hilchasah rabasim This is a very wide and vast body of halacha, and therefore it is so important to learn it. Now, especially when it comes to cooking. And that is because, <clears throat> basically, you really cannot go through a Shabbos without being involved in cooking. There's a Quite a remarkable Baal Hamar in the beginning of Parakira Masech Shabbos. The Baal Hamar writes that it's a takana of the Chachomim to enjoy the Shabbos with Chamin. It's not just, you know, we happen to like Cholent, the Baal Hamar says. It is a takana of the Chachomim that you must eat hot food on Shabbos day. Not only that, If you don't eat Cholent on Shabbos, we need to check your lineage. Imhumin, are you a believing Jew? Not only that, the Balamor writes that if you don't eat Cholent on Shabbos, 
then we perhaps we would not be able to use the Chevra Kadisha in one's burial. Now don't get scared, don't get frightened, please continue with us with the rest of the halachas. But there is a very authentic Minog Yisrael to eat hot food on Shabbos to the extent where the early sages, uh, so to speak, put into question, are you really Jewish if you're not having hot food on Shabbos? Okay, so we begin with the Malacha of Bishal. But what's interesting is, if you look on uh, your first sheet, the Malacha is actually in the Mishnah, in the Sefta Shabbos, called Afiyah, Oifeh, Biha Oifeh. One who bakes. Now, why? Why talk about baking and not talk about cooking? The Sefer Yureim writes that, in fact, the Malacha is Afiyah. The Malacha is baking. However, <coughs> Rashi, in Masech the Shabbos, on Daf, Ayin Gimel Amad Aleph says that only the Malachos that were needed in the actual building of the Mishkan are called Av Malachos. And Afiyah was not needed in the building of the Mishkan. Yes, Afiyah was needed in the baking of the Lechem Aponim. But the Lechem Aponim was not a step and a stage in the building of the Mishkan. Instead, cooking was used in the building of the Mishkan. And we're about to find out where cooking was used. So, just um, the the Shabbos project, Rabbi Brett and Rabbi Palachi and their team who put together this uh, wonderful booklet... They are correct in putting Ha'oifa as the name of the Malacha. However, Bishul is also equally an Av Malacha. There's no Nafkamina. There's no practical halachic difference between baking and cooking. In any way which, which heat is used to change a substance from a liquid to a solid or a solid to a liquid, anytime heat is employed to change the consistency of, a, of an item, that is either Bishal or Afiyah. Rashi says that we'll call it Bishal. The Uraim calls it Afiyah. But the Mishnah does refer to it as Afiyah. Now, where was Bishal used in the Mishkan? So the answer is, Rashi says, it was used in producing dye. They had herbs that were growing. They would grind up the herbs. They would mix it with water. It would turn into a paste. And then they would heat, they would uh, put in a pot, put the paste in a pot, and they would boil it up, and that would create a dye. That is where bishul was used in the construction of the mishkan, and the dye was used to color the ureis, the uh, curtains of the mishkan. Now, just a side point, an interesting side point, is how exactly did they produce dye for the mishkan in the midbar? We're talking about a wilderness. We're talking about a desert. Nothing grows in the desert. How in the world do they produce dyes in the desert? This is the kasha of Toysvis in Chulan, Daf Peches Beis. And Toysvis amazingly says that he, Toysvis says perhaps, but this is sort of taken for granted, that when the Jews came to the Midbar, miraculously the Midbar became an oasis and all types of plants grew in the Midbar. In fact, Arachayim Kadosh in Vayikra, Perk Tesva of Pasuk Beis brings that the Be'era Shel Miriam, the well of Miriam, would water the desert, and all of a sudden, miraculously, the desert became quite fertile. So don't think, oh, this is very far-fetched. How would they produce dyes in the Midbar? This was a miraculous uh, divine intervention to allow the Midbar to become an oasis. Now, the Minchas Chinuch, in his Moisa HaShabbos, so to speak, says that Toysus' answer is not really necessary. The Minchas Chinuch says, look, However they got dye in the Midbar, maybe they brought it with them. They took it out of Mitzrayim. They got it how they got it. Maybe they were merchants. 
There are those who say merchants uh, came. I remember Rabbi Brett when I went to South uh, when I went to Rome. You said somebody here was from Rome, so they let us off the bus, and we were going to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And all of a sudden, about twenty chevra from uh, some place in Africa, they opened up their jackets and they started selling us watches. Why? Because wherever you go, you could be anywhere. They're always merchants. So I believe there are those who say there were merchants in the midbar and they they sold whatever you needed. You could buy a watch, you could buy a tie for Father's Day, whatever you needed. You could get in the midbar, but the Minchas Chinuch says that you don't have to say the midbar miraculously grew herbs. You could say the midbar didn't grow herbs, but to build a mishkan you need herbs. To produce dye you need to boil. So even if they didn't particularly need to do it that way, that is something which is conceptually needed in the construction of the mishkan. Says the Minchas Chinuch. Now. Hashem put into my mind a very uh, acute remez. Now we know I always like to remember where in Shulchan Aruch a particular area of halacha is. So for example, we always like to say, Hilchois Hadlakas Ner Shabbos is in Reish Samach Gimel because Rav Sadio Goin has a chidush about lighting the Ner Shabbos. And uh, I was once at a shir given by Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef and he posed to the crowd, where is Hilchois Dogim in Shulchan Aruch? And nobody knew, and he says, Simon, pay gimel, Rashi Tevois, gefilte fish, right? So basically, tonight we already spoke about the two most important parts of Shabbos, Cholent and gefilte fish. We already got into the first 10 minutes of the share. But how are you going to remember where Hilchos Bishol is in Hilchos Shabbos? It's Simon, Shin, Yud, Ches. You ready? You'll never forget this. Those who dive in Nusach Ashkenaz, Na'aritzcha, Venakdishcha, Kisoid, Siach, Siach is Shin Yud Ches. You know what's in Shin Yud Ches? Sarfei Kodesh, Holy Fire. What's Holy Fire? Hilchos Bishol. So now you remember, Siach, Shin Yud Ches. Sarfei Kodesh talks about Hilchos Bishol, Holy Fire. So let's get straight over here. The Av Malacha, the Toldos of the Malacha, and the Malachas Rabbanan. Very quickly. The Rambam writes, In Hilchos Shabbos, Parakhtes, Halacha Aleph, If you bake an amount the size of a dried fig, you are chayev, whether you bake, or if you cook food, or you cook dye, or you heat up water, it's all one thing. Interestingly, pay attention to the fact that if you heat up water, you are chayev a iser da'iraisas. You'll ask why. Right now, I like to drink hot water. Why would I be chayev da'iraisa? The water could be dr- drank perfectly fine if it's not heated up. You're not Cooking should not apply to water. What exactly are you doing to the water? I can understand if you cook a potato. You couldn't eat it raw, and now the cooking makes it edible. But the Rambam interestingly says that if you cook water, you're chayiv. It's an iser da'iraisa. Why would that be? We're going to come to that Bezos Shem at the end of this year. So these are the Av Malachis. <clears throat> says the Rambam. The, now there's something called Toldadar, an offshoot, something heated up by fire. In other words, if you take a kettle and you put an egg on the side of the kettle so you're not using fire proper but using the metal that was heated up by the fire and you roast an egg and now the egg is somewhat scrambled and roasted on the kettle that is also an iser da'iraisa it's not the av malacha but it's the tolda of the malacha fine so far so good then the rambam excuse me that that would be also an av malacha called Instead of the fire itself, this would be Tolda Da'ar. Now let's talk about the Toldois of Bishol. Toldois of Bishol basically is any time you use heat to change the consistency of any item. The Rambam says, 
if you melt metal, even a tiny bit, it doesn't have to be the size of a dried fig, or if you heat up any type of metal that becomes red hot, or if you melt wax, they were melting wax, why would that be bishul? No, melting wax is considered using fire to change the consistency of an item, or tar, or sulfur. Any time you use fire to soften the consistency. Now let's talk about the opposite. Let's say you use fire to harden the consistency. Let's say you have a clee. You put in an earthenware clee into the oven and now you harden it and now you make it, you render it a hard clee. That is also bishal. Uh, Any time you change the consistency of an item with fire, that is considered bishal. Now, the Mishnah Bru in the beginning of Simon Shin Yudches talks about a very interesting example of bishal. I just spoke to my friend in Eretz Yisrael, Rab Ari, he told me I should mention perhaps uh, some pitfalls that a person may unknowingly encounter by the various malachas. How about this one? Did it ever happen to you? You had an important document and somebody spilled water on it and it's, now it's like waterlogged and uh, you want to dry it. So sometimes, okay, you could leave it outside to dry, you could leave it in the sun to dry. You might want to iron it, put it in the oven. If somebody has a wet paper, and they put it in an oven to dry, that is bishol de oiraisa. In fact, the Mishnah Brewer says, if you have mo- moist wood, and you take the wood and you put it in the oven to dry, that is bishol de Fine. Now, here are the isurei drabanan. If somebody heats up, let's say an egg, boils an egg, on something, not on something that was heated up by fire, but on something that was heated up by the sun, let's say you have ha- hot sand, that was heated up by the sun, then you want to roast an egg in the sand, or in hot dirt, or what is called the Chamei Tiveria. I had to get in my favorite city in the, in the Shir. Let's say the hot springs of Tiveria, which we know the water, uh, according to one opinion, is it's heated up by the sun. There is another opinion, it's heated up by Gehenna, but let's go with the opinion that it's heated up by the sun. So the Chamei Tiveria is called Tolda de Shemesh, it's an offshoot of the sun. It's, in other words, it's not heated up by fire. It's heated up by the sun. Something which is heated up by the sun, if one were to cook in the Chame Teveria, that is an Isser Durabanan. So again, we basically have three levels. We have the Av Malacha, which is using fire to change the consistency of something through cooking or baking. We have the Tolda, which is melting uh, metal, melting wax or hardening a kli adam, or hardening an earthenware kli, or we have um, Isurei Drabanan, which is one of them mentioned is Tolda Deshemesh, a something heated up by the sun. So now let's talk about um, the Gemara, Masech the Shabbos, Daf Mem Aleph Amad Aleph. It's on page 4 on your sheet's bottom left-hand side. The Gemara brings the following statement: Amar of Chizda, Hamavashel b'chamei Tavaria b'Shabbos Potter. That's what we just mentioned. Someone who cooks in the hot springs of Tavaria, you are exempt. The Toldois Eish ba'Inan Valaka. You're only chayiv on Shabbos if something was heated up by fire, not if something was heated up by the sun. And then the Gemara brings the following opinion: Amar of Nachman, to cook in the sun is mutter. Let's say like this. You want to cook directly in the sun. You want to put something out in the sun. You have potato kugel. And it's, you, it's a hot day and the sun is beating down. You want to put the potato kugel in the sun to cook your kugel. 
If you could get the job done, it's mutter. It's not also drabanan, it's mutter. And the answer is, why? Why would it be mutter? Says Rashi, ein derech bishuloi bekach. That is not a normal way to cook. Now, Rav Moshe and Etshuva explains, Rav Moshe and Chilak Gimel, Simon Nunbez explains this Rashi, that if it would be normal to cook in the sun, we would say as follows. True in the Mishkan, they didn't cook in the sun, they cooked in fire. But what difference does it make? We're entitled to extrapolate and say if they cooked in the Mishkan with fire, then if cooking in the sun is typical, you're not allowed to cook in the sun. Cooking in the sun would be a, a tolda of cooking. But since cooking in the sun is atypical, since it's not usual to cook in the sun, that is a reasonable differentiation between the way they cooked in the Mishkan and this method of cooking, and therefore, cooking in the sun becomes totally permitted. However, the Gemara says, something heated up by the sun. You have a hot sand heated up by the sun. You have hot metal heated up by the sun. You have a dud shemesh. You have a hot water tank where the water is heated up by solar energy. This is going to be an Isser Durabanan. Why? Why, why? Does that make any sense? Heating up directly in the sun is mutter, and something heated up by the sun is an Isser Durabanan? That's right. You know why? Because something heated up by the sun, you when you look at the item being heated up, let's say you have water being he- heated up by hot metal, that that hot metal was heated up in the sun. The water at the end of the day cannot be differentiated between water heated up by something that was heated by the sun, and water heated up by something that was heated up by fire. So to heat something up in the sun directly, that will never mistakenly um, confuse with heating up directly in the fire. But the offshoot, the tolda of the sun, will be confused with the tolda of ash. Again, what is the reason why you're allowed to cook something directly in the sun? Rashi says, Ein derech bishulai bekach. That's a Gemara in Psachim Memalaf Amin Aleph. Comes of Shomazam and Orbach and the Mincha Shleimai. And Roshom says, from here we see a very interesting uh, principle. That you're allowed to cook on Shabbos. You're allowed to cook on Shabbos. As long as you don't cook in a, ma- in a manner which is the derech to cook. But if you could figure out a way to cook which is not derech bishula, you're allowed to. So says Roshom Zalman, I found a way to cook which is not derech bishula. It's called a microwave. Because typically, how does the cooking process work? You have a source of heat. And the source of heat is transmitted through a process called convection. But a microwave oven is very different. The microwave oven does not take heat and transfer the heat through convection. The microwave oven causes the molecules of the food to move very quickly. The various molecules of the food are now rubbing against each other with great friction. And the food is now heating itself up. It's very different than cooking. Cooking, there's an outside source of heat which is influencing the food. But microwave, there's no outside source of heat. The microwave rays are causing the molecules of the food to move and cause friction between one molecule and another, and it's causing itself to heat up. So if the Gemara tells us a rule that you're allowed to cook in the sun, and Rashi explains because it's not typical to cook that way, so you should be allowed to cook in a microwave. Rav Moshe, however, in Igrois Moshe, Chela Gimel, Simenon Beis, vehemently disagrees, and he writes, Rav Moshe writes, 
that one cooking in a microwave is absolutely considered a typical way to cook. Says Rav Moshe, cooking in a microwave is even more effective and more, uh, more typical than with a fire. In fact, says Rav Moshe, one day will come, everyone will cook with microwaves. Says Rav Moshe, so why today aren't, why isn't everyone cooking with microwaves? He says, because not everyone has one. But as soon as everyone's going to get their hands on one, everyone's going to be using the microwave. In fact, says Rav Moshe, a microwave is a better way to cook than with a fire. You're more violating Bishul with the microwave, says Rav Moshe. Now, what would Rav Shema Zaman's position be? Perhaps we could explain that. I think uh, there are people who maybe are more uh, finicky, and they can actually tell the difference between food that was heated up in an oven and food heated up in a microwave. You know, in a microwave, you, you warm up a piece of chicken and some broccoli and something, and a piece of kugel. Every food is a different misa. How it cooks, how hot it is, you know, because uh, the way the microwave does not always evenly cook the food. The oven is a more thorough cook. Some people enjoy that taste better. So maybe Rosh Hashanah would say that since we could still make the case that the microwave is not a typical way to cook, but here, at least in America, we always follow the Pesachim of Moshe. Moshe is the Mar Asra of the United States of America, and uh, it's generally accepted that a microwave would be Bishol Da'iraisa. However, I will share with you, and uh, <clears throat> to, to further on this, Shaila, please speak to your own personal paisek when it comes to a warming drawer. There is legitimate basis to be able to use a warming drawer on Shabbos. And the reason is because it's Ein Derech Bishulay Bekach. It is not a typical way to cook. Nobody would ever take an egg, crack it open, and put it on a warming drawer. It would take you a month and a half to scramble that egg. So even though the warming drawer is going to get your food to be Yadzei Ladesboy, I'm talking about dry food now. You you put in a potato kugel that was cold from the fridge, and two hours later it's piping hot. And you say, how could it be? You just cooked on Shabbos. No, there is legitimate basis based on this Rashi to permit a warming drawer. Now there there might be an issue of you might change the knob and you might uh, you might add to the heat. You might um, make it the hot the heat more intense. However, if the knob is covered. And if the knob is already on the highest setting, so there's no chashash, you're going to make it hotter because it's right on the highest setting. Many can allow the use of the warming drawer based on the um, the lambdas we just mentioned. Okay. So now let's talk about a very nice ganav. You know, you're the, the this ganav really uh, made it big. You know why? This is the most talked about ganav in Jewish history. Uh, ben Drusai. Ben Drusai is the ganav. He's always on the move. And because he's always on the move, he's afraid he's going to get caught. Um, you know, we don't talk about him so much here anymore because, you know, they're trying to defund the police over here. But back in the day when there were police everywhere, so Ben Drusai always had to be on the move, and he only ate his food when it was basically a third cooked. Now, the Gemara in Masech the Shabbos says as follows. The Gemara says, on Daflametes, page 4, bottom right, Anything that was cooked in hot water before Shabbos, you are permitted to heat it up on Shabbos. Basically, the rule is, anything that was cooked, you could cook again. Ein bishol achar bishol. So there's a big machloikis rishonim, how we understand this principle of ein bishol achar bishol. The Rajba, and by the way, this is not only the Rajba, this is also the opinion of the Rosh, the Rabban, Rabbeinu Yoyna, and the Ran. 
The Rajva says, you know what it means that if something was cooked, you could cook it? Even if it was edible, meaning it was only a third cooked or only half cooked, what we call kemacho ben drusai. It's cooked that the ben drusai would eat it. Once the item was cooked, you're allowed to heat it up again. Now, when we say you're allowed to heat it up again, that means you're allowed to stir it. Stirring in Hebrew is called hagasa. When you stir a hot item, it promotes the cooking. So the opinion of the Rajva is, once something was a third cooked, you could continue to stir it, because halachically, it's already considered cooked. However, the opinion of the Rambam is, it ain't cooked until it's cooked. Not until something is 100% cooked, can you cook it further, can you cook it more, can you stir it, can you put it back on the fire. How do we paskin? The Shulchan Aruch. In Simen, which Simen, Rabbi Sai? That's right. Simen Shin Yud Ches. The, the Mechaber, Paskin Shin Yud Ches, Sif Dalid. The Mechaber Paskins like the Rambam, that you cannot stir an item that is one-third cooked. In other words, if you have a Cholent on Shabbos, and it's not fully cooked, and you want to take your big, uh, your big wooden stick and start stirring it, the Mechaber says it's Aser. If you took your pot off the fire, and it was a, it was a, it was only a third cook. You cannot put it back on according to the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch, who's paskening like the Rambam. Now, very interestingly, the Bir Halacha is quite surprised that the Mechaber paskens like the Rambam and does not paskin like the Rajba, that once something is a third cooked, it's halachically considered cooked. After all, the Bir Halacha says, many, many Rishonim, the Rosh, Ramban, Rabbeinu Yon, and the Ram, they all side with the Rajba. So says the Bir Halacha, even though we are choyshesh for the shita of the Rambam, that something is not cooked until it's fully cooked, which means, l'chatchila, you're now to stir something uh, until it's fully cooked. If it's a third cook, you can't stir it. However, however, let's say you did stir it, or let's say you did put it back on the fire, which according to the Rambam is not allowed, b'diyeved, you could still eat the food, relying on the shita of the Rajvah, that once it's a third cooked, it's halachically cooked. So l'chadchila, we're choyshesh for the opinion of the Rambam. B'diyeved, you could be samich on the shita of the Rajba. Now there's another very important machloikis between the Rush and the Rajba about liquids that were fully cooked and cooled off. Can you put them back on the fire? It is the opinion of the Rush that a liquid that cools off, you cannot reheat, even though it was fully cooked. The Rajva says, if it's fully cooked, even if it cools off, you could reheat. How do we paskin? The Mechaber, Shin Yud Ches again, Sif Dalet, same Sif, he is Machmer like the Rosh, that a cold soup, right? You have your soup. And it cooled off. You cannot reheat it. However, the opinion of the Ramah is that's only if it completely cooled off. But if it still retained a little bit of warmth, then you would be allowed to reheat it. Now, let's uh, speak about the final issue over here. And that is uh, what is called on page 6, the essence of the malacha. Namely, <coughs> are you always chayef for cooking? What if I cook something that doesn't need to be cooked? Let's say I cook, I don't know, I cook a... Uh, Apple. I cooked the apple. The ap- I could have eaten the apple without uh, cooking it. Right? When when uh, the famous statement, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, it doesn't say a cooked apple a day. 
An apple. An apple is an apple. A pear is a pear. So the Rambam writes that somebody who cooks on Shabbos, something that does not need to be cooked, you are not chayev. You're, meaning you're not over on Bishel de Oiraisa, only if you cook something that needs to be cooked. Now, based on this Rambam, Rabbi Kivega writes that anything that could be eaten raw, if you cook it, Potter Avalosser, you are not Chayiv on Shabbos. And Rabbi Kivager derives it from this Rambam. And really, based on a Gemara in uh, Shabbos, on Daf Mem, which talks about heating up oil in the hot springs of Tiberia, that the Gemara says oil, which perhaps could be cooked, one would not be allowed to cook in the hot springs of Tiberia, but a different item that is of no benefit if you cook it, you cannot cook in the hot springs of Tiberia. So from this Gemara, we derive the following principle. Something that can be consumed raw, if you cook it, it's only an Isra Drabanan. But amazingly, if you look in the Mishnah Bura, in the very beginning of Simen Shin Yerches, the Mishnah Bura quotes the Rambam, that we mentioned in the beginning of the Shir, that if someone heats up water on Shabbos, you're chayiv midai raisa. Isn't that strange? If you cook a food that could be eaten raw, it's only in a And yet if you warm up water on Shabbos, you're chayiv midai raisa. How do we explain that? So, the Mishnah Bura in Sivkatan Sadi Aleph says as follows, that if you have a fruit, it could be eaten raw, but it tastes better when you cook it, so the cooking is mashbiach, the fruit, so you're using heat to improve an item that is bishal. Likewise, the Sharetzion says a very interesting thing. He says, even though you could drink water without cooking it, heating up water adds a component to the water. It elevates, in other words, it adds a quality to the water that the water didn't have. Yes, you could have drank the water without heating it up. But now it's like Panam Chadash's Volokan. It is infusing the, the water with an added dimension. And therefore, even though if you cook something that could be eaten raw, you're not chayiv. But if it's mashbiach, if it improves the item, that would be a chayiv on Shabbos. But that implies, what if cooking the item, what if cooking the item makes the item niskalka, ruins the item? What if it it lowers the quality of the item? So is it, it's bishul, it's cooking, but it's mekalkel, and therefore it would be nisr drabanan? Or is the very essence of cooking using heat to improve the item? And if you're not improving the item, it's not just mekalkel, it's not even bishul. That is the shayla that is brought on these wonderful sheets, bottom right, on page 7, from the Archa Shabbos. In other words, let's say like this. You have a hot piece of chicken, and you have vegetable salad. What's vegetable salad? It's probably something they eat in the UK. In America, we call it salad, right? Let's say you put... Um, those. That's one of the big differences between us Americans and the British. They eat vegetable salad, and we eat salad. But I think we could still get along, and we could still, certainly learn Archa Shabbos together. In other words, you have a hot piece of chicken... And you have uh, lettuce on the plate. 
And now the lettuce is going to get cooked by your chicken. Are you allowed to do that? Do we say, well, uh, wait a second, you're, you're causing Bishel on Shabbos. Or do we say, that's not Bishel, nobody wants cooked lettuce, this is ruining the lettuce. So you say, oh, but it still maybe it would be Mekalkel, uh, Bishel be Mekalkel. Or do we say that, no, you're actually, what you're doing is, that's not even Bishel. The definition of cooking is improving an item through the agent of heat. Now, the shear is officially over, but if you give me three more minutes, I want to tell you one little lumdashe point about um, Bishel in general and the Nafkamino Lahalacha and uh, something very interesting to think about. Okay, so here we go. One of the most uh, famous Toysesin and Shabbos, or certainly one of the most important Toysesin to know about, is Toysesin and Memam and Beis. We know in Halacha, there's a difference between Klirishan and Klisheni. There are things you're not allowed to put in a klirishon, you're allowed to put in a klisheni. Okay, many different things. We don't have time to get into what you could do in a klisheni that you can't do in a klirishon. But Toysus' kash is as follows. What's the difference between a klirishon and a klisheni? Klirishon, by the way, is the vessel which you heat it up on the fire, and klisheni is pouring out from that vessel into another kli. So Toysus wants to know, what kind of kli are we talking about over here? If the water in the kli is yatser lettuce boy, would cause your hand to recoil, then you shouldn't be allowed to cook in a kli sheni. And if the water is not yatser lettuce boy, then you're allowed to cook in a kli rishon, right? Let's say you had a pot of water that heated up on the fire. Now it's an hour later and the, and the water is freezing cold. You could use it. So Toysus asks, Mimanovshach, either way you look at it, it's problematic. If water is yatsu lettuce, but if the water is piping hot, you should be allowed to cook it in a klisheni. And if the water is not piping hot, then you should be allowed to cook in a klisheni. Toysvis gives a very fundamental answer. Toysvis says it's not always about the objective heat of the water, but it's about how long that heat could be maintained for. A kli that stood on the fire, the walls of the kli are hot. Therefore, if the water in the pot is Yatsal Ladisvoy, the hot walls of the pot will maintain the heat in the pot for a while and it will allow for cooking. However, Toysus says, Klisheni, even though the water is Yatsal Ladisvoy, but the walls of the pot are cold, they will quickly cool down the water in the pot and it will not allow for cooking. So the Nesivois, Hamishpat, in the Chavos Das, in Yardes, in Salibiz, says that the two sides of the coin of Toysvis actually contradict each other and would spell out a very big nafkamina halacha. Namely, there's something in halacha called a davar gush. A davar gush is a, an, a dry item, um, an item of substance, like a hot piece of chicken, which you can't really say is in a kli. Water is in a kli because it fills up the whole body of the interior of a kli. Liquid fills up a kli. But a dovar gush is a hot food, will not be cooled off by the cold plate because it's not filling up the plate, it's just sitting on the plate. There's a shayla in halacha, a hot piece of chicken. Does it cook? Remember, it was taken, let's say, from off the fire, now it's on your plate. So it's sitting on a klisheni, but you have a hot piece of chicken or cholent. Cholent is a davar gush. It's sitting on your plate. However, 
It's not filling up your plate. So it's hot, piping hot food, but it has a cold kli. So says the Nesivah HaMishvat, it depends what Toysvis means. What's the problem of a kli reshine, and what's the benefit of a kli sheni? If a kli reshine cooks because the hot walls of the kli maintain the heat of the item in the kli, that will not apply to a hot piece of chicken on a cold plate because a hot piece of chicken does not have a hot kli to maintain the heat. And in that case, our shayla about salad on the chicken would be permitted. Because it's true the chicken is hot, but it won't stay hot because the kli is cold. But if Toysus's point is that a klisheni cools off because the kli is cold, then a davar gush will not be, a, a substantive item will not be cooled off by the plate because only a liquid is cooled off by the plate because a liquid fills up the interior of the plate. In other words, there is a shaila in halacha. What is the status of a hot, substantive piece of food? A davar gush. Can you put, let's say, um, ketchup in your cholent? Can you put a uh, challah in your cholent? Can you cook something in your cholent? What's the shaila based on? I just want to share with you the principle of the matter. The principle of the matter is, do we say, since the food is piping hot, and you don't have a kli that's cooling it off because it doesn't fill the interior of the kli, therefore it's considered like a kli reshine? Or do we say that it doesn't have a hot kli to maintain its heat, and therefore it would be like a kli sheni? But the, uh, the executive summary of what we learned today is the malacha of Bishel, which was used in the Mishkan to cook the dyes, is using the process of fire to change the substance of an item in a typical way. If you could find an atypical way, like a microwave, Shalom says that's debatable. Like a warming drawer, that may be okay. But anytime you use fire in a typical way, that is the malacha of Bishel, which is a wonderful thing to do during the six days of the week. But on Shabbos, make sure your cholent is ready before. And on that note, I want to wish everybody a freilichin Shabbos and Be'ezus Hashem. This Shabbos should be one of greater zehiros in Hilcha Shabbos. B'siyata Deshmaya. Thank you everyone for joining. If anyone has any questions, be happy to take them. And bracha v'hatzlacha. Shkoyach. Okay. Some people don't have microwaves. Like me. So you could, um, you could purchase them in any, in your better electronic store. They're <laughs> but according to Rav Moshe, a microwave is a very typical way to cook, regardless of the fact that there are individuals who don't have them, but we don't follow your individual practice. We follow the uh, typical practice of most people. It's like no cell phones. Okay. They go together. I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so like I know some of the says you can't use a microwave oven, but how? It, it's not 